Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Thanks for joining us for another week of Take Two. We actually almost canceled it because there was literally nothing going on politically this I week know, to talk about. We were like, snoozer. nothing to talk about. A so, yeah, of a week. I know. I feel like we could do this entire podcast talking about the impeachment inquiry, but we're not going to. We've got some <laughs> local issues. You mean we need Jim to talk and I about just agreeing on everything? everything. Yeah, I know. Boring. Yeah, it's boring. I know. So we've got to talk about some local issues. And in the last legislative session, I know that uh, Jim was very passionate about the issue. Um, of conversion therapy, and it just didn't get through. The governor, I think, in his wisdom, took it out of the political realm, because really should it be political, and gave it to Doppel. And so they're looking at the advisory boards of whether or not this is something that is a fitting I, medical treatment, I guess is what you would call it. They've had some hearings. Jim, look, whatever is this an okay way to go about are, it? They ought to be able to convert. I mean, it's not the conversion therapy we're talking about. No, totally different conversion. This is where they take homo kids and try to force feed them being straight. Is that the conversion therapy you're talking about? Homo kids. I feel like there's got to be a nicer way. That's a tough way to describe it, but it's acceptable within the LGBTQI community. I mean, did you add another letter? Did you just add another letter to this? No. Do you know how no, hard it is? Didn't we didn't get it. I, I think you said an I after the Q. I Did you? No, I can't play the All tape. Right, I'm I telling you, you so. can't. There's a new thing at the University of Utah this week, um, actually finding heroes in the gay community, and they're calling them queeros. Yeah. So that's another word you yeah. should get used to hearing. But, but look, is this why a are we even idea? talking about this? To take a child and force them to sit through therapy that says... You no longer are straight, but you must be homosexual is wrong. It's absurd. No one would even think about it. We shouldn't do it. And it does unbearable damage to children. It ought to be stopped. Doppel, Kroppel, the legislature, whoever. <laughs> it's a basic moral right. And let's get this done and move on. Have you had personal experience with this? Did you have family, parents, teachers that tried to pray the gay away, send you to counseling you know, to ungay you? Or how I, does that work? I went to see a counselor when I was at BYU as a young 17-year-old. It obviously and, didn't work. And <laughs> the, guy, the guy said to me, he was a clinical psychology okay. uh, student, so they kind of farmed off the kids to the kids. And he said, look, you're the luckiest son of a bitch in history. I said, Oh my We're gosh, the this Lord's is two university. weeks where we have to beep you. I, I'm quoting. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm quoting. I, I was offended. I was 17. I was faithful. I was great. And, and then he said, look, there's 19 of us in the clinical psychology program here. I'm the only Jew. I'm from Brooklyn. And I'm telling you, you're perfectly fine. Don't ever come back and see me again. And whatever they do... Don't listen to them, and for goodness sakes, don't go into the basement of the Joseph Fielding Smith Building because they're doing reparative therapy there. And I listened to his advice, and that was that. I never, I never took any of that stuff. Huh. How did it make you feel? Well, I, I just said to him, why? What, what, what is going on? And he said, just trust me, don't go there. And I said, I'm going there unless you tell me. And he told me what reparative therapy 
Then it was shock therapy. Yeah, that sounds And so, thank goodness I didn't go. But a lot of BYU students did go, look, let's get out of this. Let's not even have this discussion. You can't sit children down and tell them that they're not really heterosexual, that if they pray about it long enough or they think about it, they can be homosexual. It doesn't work. It shouldn't work. And if you want to destroy a kid and if you want them to commit suicide, tell them they can change and then present them with that. Let's just end the discussion. Let's get this done. Should we just end the discussion and get it done? Or should we just say, hey, if you're an adult, you can go choose to do whatever you want. If you want to try to fix yourself, change yourself, do whatever you want, that's fine. But children, off limits. So I look, I think that it's it's an issue that we could, if people could come together, uh, get around a table that have different opinions or different concerns, I think that good information can drive good decisions. And I think that bill, frankly, that sat on the board and at the legislature last session, I think there could have been uh, agreement and success in finding a statute that could have pa- or a bill that could have passed. But it's a hard one, admittedly. I'm not a doctor. I think uh, Doppel had heard uh, testimony from people that felt differently about the topic. I think the science, I think the, the people that are, are familiar with this uh, field need to weigh in. And, the, and good information will ultimately drive good decisions. And we are understanding more about the space. The only thing I would say is this. If we are looking at those things that we think are through clinical research and through better understanding of, of, of human beings, we can land on better therapies. I'm all in. But where I think things start to get confusing for me is where we say, well, someone's gender, we'll never know. It, it, it is one of these things that we're not going to be able to determine one way or the other. The consequences of that premise in terms of scholastic sports or uh, who can participate in things that are separated by gender just becomes so confusing for society. But that's not so all I'm saying, therapy, no, no, it's not conversion therapy. What I'm saying is, if con- if conversion therapy is based on science and methodology and, and clinical studies, we we if we can just carry that along to know how to act in this space generally, because I think it's one that we all have to learn and understand. And some of it comes across as confusing to the general public. And what people do when they're confused is they just throw up, you know, the, the walls, and they don't One want to understand. Final so question. That's for that's my, my esteemed friend. Yes. And oh, you're the, the former speaker. Okay. Go. Twelve-year-old Greg, how many therapy sessions would it have taken? To make for you the therapist him. to make you <laughs> gay. Listen, Listen I'm not defending. I'm not de- no, no, no. I'm not defending conversion therapy in any way. But what I'm saying is, whatever method we're using to come to some strong best practices here, I think we need that same effort more broadly in this topic of gender gender identity. Right. Because I think it's confusing the pop uh, the it populace. Is. I it do. Is. I, I right. We got to talk about it more. I think yeah, it needs to be beyond just this topic yep. here. That's I'm glad all I'm we're saying. talking about it and letting people have their say. I heard some sound from it yesterday, and there were people who said, you know, I went to this therapy, it fixed me. I was able to marry a woman. We had children. We have a happy family. But from my own, I see non- those people in bars yes, all the time. But my non, yes, but from my non-clinical <laughs> research, gay bars. Yes, all of my yeah. friends who've tried to do that and get married and have children, it ends eventually. It's painful for everyone, and then they realize that it just doesn't work. You can make anything work, and they did make it work for as long as they can, and then they realize, for happiness for everyone, it's yes. got to end. I'm, I'm going to tell you that I think uh, is. As I've gotten older and I've watched, I've got a daughter. She, my oldest is a daughter. We, it, I think one of the saddest things I'm watching are when people hide how they feel or what their uh, attraction may be. They try to mainstream. They try to get married. They have children. And then there's this 
kind of crossroads where they come come to terms with how they really feel, where it breaks up marriages or it breaks up families. I would far, far prefer uh, for the person that my daughter would fall in love with, that there be a genuine and, 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 and honesty about people and how they feel and not feel like they have to hide these things because I don't see that... I see that hurting so many more people uh, if if those are things people keep inside or feel that they can't be honest about. So uh, for the for the betterment of our whole society, we really need to be honest about those things. And and so I, I'm all for having that dialogue. But you've got to bring people around the table. It's sure. not going to be one side or the other is going to win the day. All right. We have a couple other local issues to get to before I let you two have at it on the impeachment <laughs> issue. The quiet uh, before the storm. I do want to say that voter registration deadlines, they're coming up. The mayoral elections in a lot of cities are coming up. They're important elections, even though we don't have a presidential election or senators we're electing. Get signed up. Get ready to vote. We don't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat, or none of yes, the above. Yes, we do. Oh, we do? Well, I care. Okay. I'm right sure everybody too. cares. But I just, be involved. Go get signed yes. up. Because the election, honestly, is not that far away. We're almost October, which is literally barely over a month away till election day. Um, Kristen Cox. I know this is an issue that um, Jim wanted to talk about. If you don't know who she is, she's one of the cabinet members um, for the governor. And... She has come up with fiscal policy. Is that a good way to describe what she does? She's head of the Office of Management and Budget. She has tremendous power across the That's state. Right. Personally, she's an inspiring uh, woman. She's blind, and she has been in the cabinet for many years. And she uses and the she principles has a great story. of was principles of the theory of constraint. And theory of constraint is what they're using in budgets for the governor's budgets. And whether it's working or not, it's hard to say, but our government coffers seem to be doing okay well, generally get, here in Utah. You get up to the legislature and you find a lot of people who have these theories that they set their life on. Yeah. You know, set, Kristen has one. Legislators sometimes have them on education or they've got them on this or they belong to that. These principles come and go. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't. They get out in the marketplace. A lot of them die, whatever. And I'm not saying people don't believe in them. I'm just saying yeah. that some of them work, some of them don't. But the reason why we're bringing it up is because the Tribune did um, a good investigative piece, if you want to read it. It's lots of pages long. But um, they're saying that she's using those principles she's using inside the government for a side hustle. That's what the kids call it these days, of sorts, where she's got a consulting firm where she's using what she's doing in government we can decide whether that's right or wrong, and using some of the proof of performance type stuff, putting it on her website, and then using that probably as an exit strategy when Governor Herbert goes away. Is this a bad thing, a good thing? Look, is it questionable? Blame Gary Herbert. Cox is out there hustling the best she can. She's, she can't get by on her $236,000 a year salary, and so she's got this part-time gig. And people can have a part-time business. If they want to sell Amway or do something, out of the governor's office, it's okay. But when their top two lieutenants, who were also in their office, also were in that private company, and when they have a weird association with an Israeli company that comes to town and has seminars and charges government agencies tens of thousands of dollars to come, it starts to get smelly. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's part of Governor Herbert's pay-to-play. It's just... Every corner of state government you look in. You know what? You want to be the director of Office of Management and Budget? Fine. But you got a lot of power, and state agencies will do what you say because you have great control and power. And when you say, you know, really, 
you ought to sign up 10 people for this seminar or not. That is tremendous power. You know what, Kristen? You believe in this? Quit the state. Go do this. Have a good life. But there's too much of this on the highest levels of state government where people are peddling whatever they're doing do or whatever land deal they've got. Pay to play situation. I, I believe it certainly has all the earmarks. And if the Democrats had any guts, they would have demanded that the legislature look into this and call some hearings and uh, subpoena people and say, what are you doing and who's getting the money and what is the relationship between this company and that company? But, but I don't see that happening. Greg, is this an issue? It's something that, honestly, I hadn't learned about until I read this article in yeah. the Tribune. I, you know, it's a sad situation on a number of levels. Number one, uh, Kristen Cox, uh, she is, uh, has been one of the rising stars or one of the most respected members of the, of the, of the governor's cabinet. Uh, she was a lieutenant governor candidate in Maryland uh, under the Republican Michael Steele when he ran. They, they didn't win, but she was the, the lieutenant governor candidate on that ticket. Uh, she ran Department of Workforce Services before she came into the governor's office of planning and budget. Uh, she's been a, I wouldn't say an adversary, that sounds a little bit tough, but the, 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 the governor's budget and his ideas for how the budget should look in a given year and the Speaker of the House and the legislatures, we've clashed over different items, line items, how the budget should, should uh, come together. So she has been someone I highly respect. I understand what I've been told when I read the story is that everything she had done, and she does, she, one of the things she's known for is her demand for return on investment of public dollars. How are those dollars leveraged? She has a system that she believes in. It's been used mostly in the private sector. She wanted to take those private sector principles to government, which is a great thing. Um, her, her advocacy for this on a private side, it's my understanding that any of that effort had been cleared by and vetted by the governor and his, as his attorney and their staff and that it was uh, deemed appropriate for her to do. The story comes out, and the part of the story that I was disappointed in is I think she should have, if that is the case, and it was cleared, much stronger defense coming from the governor's office. They should have been explaining why they believed this was absolutely appropriate and defending uh, Kristen Cox in, in, in terms of how she has uh, laid this out. But I thought they were a little quiet on that. And uh, it was only a one a one-day news cycle. Uh, the only part about that that's sad is that you have a part-time legislature where we have to have our day jobs in Absolutely. terms of our... And, if you, and you'll find a narrative many times where if a lawmaker is working, there's a scandal attached to that, but we, we do have to work because our part-time lawmaker status doesn't pay any bills. So sometimes I see more outrage on, on the legislative side in terms of our, our the businesses that we do have uh, from then what we saw in that story. But... I think the governor's office could have done a better job uh, walking the public through why that was an appropriate uh, endeavor and how they had vetted it and had approved it. All right. One last thing before we get to the exciting topic of national news. I thought this was <laughs> interesting this week. In one of my newscasts, we were reading it. I had to go look up more on this. But Utah, according to a new Wallet Hub study, is the ninth best state for teachers. And we always hear that we're number 50 for education. And we still are. When you look at uh, the spending per student, 49th for uh, the student-to-teacher ratio, but right now, with all these raises that have happened, right now, Utah teachers are ninth best in the nation with how much they're making and also how much it compares to cost of living and their possibility for getting raises or moving up. Greg, I'm assuming that you're going to say this is good work from the state. Uh, 
It was on our watch, right, Jim? This is what, this is the work. These are the budgets we put together. They, they're get taking the uh, survey from right these now. These are so. largely community High five, budgets, Jim. though, because the we Yeah, we're not going quite that yeah, yeah, far. You and me, you and me. We worked on this. You know we did. And people are going to be watching probably some of their taxes go up a little bit because these are happening in local jurisdictions. We didn't do that part. That wasn't yeah. us. We didn't do so, that part. Um, but teachers are getting paid better. So is this good that we're number nine or still terrible because we're like, still funding it's a, it's education a, look, too we're, early? We're, it's a challenge. It'll always be a challenge. We have more students per taxpayer. We have our sources of funding education, uh, even property tax being such a significant engine for funding education around the country. 67-plus percent of the state of Utah is federal land, which you do not see a revenue from. Uh, we have those inherent challenges. Uh, that said, the economy is doing well. We cannot uh, ignore or not pay attention to compensation of teachers or else these educated workforce will go and pursue careers in other places and we could cannot afford that so it's a it's a have to have we have to see that compensation increase and so it, it's critical uh we always it could stand to use more funding we always get a good return on the that investment because we are uh cheap we are challenged in terms of how we find that revenue but uh but i'm proud of that i'm proud that we're seeing our compensation for teachers increasing as it should uh, and every year, just so people know, more kids enter kindergarten every single school year than seniors that graduated. So every time you have a graduating class out of our high schools, know that we have more children entering kindergarten. And it was that way for the 16 years I served in the legislature, and no one sees that slowing down. So just to hold serve, just to spend as much as you did the year before, you have to have more tax revenue to do it. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it is a tough uh, and deal. This is why we have part-time kindergarten, which is a whole other topic for a whole other day. But should we be pleased that we're at least at number nine in the nation on this, or should we only look at the well, number 50? It's a I looked at this survey. I clicked yeah. it through. Um, we're not number nine in salary because they gave a heavy weight to the two other factors in that, one of them being the... Uh, this is a comparison to you, right, what you're comparison. wearing. If so, you live in New York or San Francisco, you're obviously got to make more to right, live. Right, right. Yeah. But the other part where where the numbers are skewed a little bit has to do with um, where how Utah teachers can move up the the chain. You yeah. know, how they can Step be. Yeah, and you know why that is? It's because of a shocking statistic. It's bad for teachers. After five years, only 43% 43 of our teachers get out of the teaching business. So we're back to getting a whole bunch more rookies in there. And, yeah, that leaves us a lot of upward mobility. Do you think it has anything to do with Utah culture, though, where there's um, young women who go to college, they get their teaching degree, they teach for a few years till they have children, and they go home, and maybe not because of dissatisfaction at the job, but they did it until they had children and then they want to stay home? Or is it really because... I mean, I mean, everything's I don't know. I, I don't know. I know. I mean, okay. That's part of it. But you know what the other part is? Teachers unions like to give the highest compensation to those who've, who've served in the career the longest. That means that those that are brand new to the profession are being paid the least. And if you so wanted you to try... A long time. So if you want to try across the board set amount of dollars, which we've done in the legislature, mm -hmm. the teachers union comes and opposes. If you want to give $8,000 to every teacher, which we know that would be a higher percentage for brand new teachers, hopefully to keep... Uh, that our young teachers choosing uh, being an educator as a career. The teachers unions have come to those committees to oppose that bill because they want to see those that have been there longer receiving the most money and those that are that do not enjoy the seniority of membership receiving the least. And so that plays a factor. Why in, would they too. do that? It's a, it's a tenure thing. It's 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 the I mentality. Mean, the same the same with uh, with with firemen and policemen a lot of times. Yeah. You know, in the city they. 
They want a big raise, but they want most of it to go to people that have been there 10 or 11 years or more, where the problem we're having is recruiting yeah, ones. people to, to get and, there. And you know, the, I wish the UTA would grow some. I mean, UEA? The, yeah, UEA. Oh, okay. and the UTA. UTA has its own set of uh, yeah, You just switched topics on us pretty quick there. But if you look at the last year, the states that have skyrocketed out of being 50th for a yeah. generation are the states that looked the legislature and the governor in the guts and said, no, we're going out, we're striking, we are not providing the kind of education that we know we can, we're not getting the support, we're 50th in spending, and we are going on strike until you don't shoot for a few more dollars, shoot for getting us out of 50th uh, place in the nation. And uh, you know what? West Virginia did it. They got a huge pay raise, and they got a lot more money. Colorado and Denver did it. New Mexico did it. You look around the states that have, look, the legislature, they're never going to wake up. They're never going to go, oh, we yeah, let's, up, you two were let's, get, you, let's we get do, you out of we 50th. Do wake up. Look, we're still at 50th look, grade. This, this issue becomes when you talk about states that have strong teachers' unions, just like I just described, if you had an across-the-board raise that the, the unions oppose, it is because there is power in collective bargaining. If we promised that we could raise all tide, the tide lifts all ships, and we could raise it for everyone, if it took the role of collective bargaining or the power that, that, that unions have to collective bargain and, and decide how those dollars are spent, they would oppose it. I'm telling you that that is a, that is a power discussion and not a how do we get education inside the classroom discussion. Just and one that's, more, one that's more the thing, challenge. Okay, if last I can. Thing, all right, really quick. The state has $1,100,000,000 sitting in the education fund now. Money that should have, during the session, have been turned over to education. But they have, through their machinations, the money is there. To say the money isn't there, through their machinations, is this the education, is this in, in, fund? In the education fund. No, it, it, it's sitting there. But okay. they don't want to split that up because they've got designs on that. They want to throw it into the general fund so they can buy all the toys that the legislature wants. There is enough money in education. Watch what's happening now as they're looking at reappropriating where all the money goes because what their plan really is is to go into that piggy bank education fund and rip that earmark where all the income tax goes to that. So spend that over a billion dollars where it's supposed to be spent on education and Play around with taxes all you want, but leave the income tax where it belongs in education until we're at least 48th. All right. We've made it to the exciting moment where we can talk about the impeachment process. Is that pretty um, No, it I was had riveting. a retort. I just okay. you did. All right. All right. All right. I'm just thinking that's a I know. We could literally talk about that for an hour, but I do want to check on some of those funds because I think education here in the state is important. I feel like the country is just like, we got done with the Mueller report and we're doing it again. So... Anyhow, impeachment inquiry, I thought it was interesting before the um, phone call was released, before the whistleblower report was released, that uh, Nancy Pelosi, who had been very reticent to go forward with the inquiry, came out uh, guns uh, firing, which I thought she looked lovely. When she knows she's going to be on camera, by the way, she always has the best dresses, best makeup, well coiffed, looking good behind her flags. But I felt like, like she came Greg, out like ready, ready to convict. And... This is definitely an issue that we need to hear about, but I thought it was, and I think she's peddled it back in the day or so, but we really should be looking at this at holistically and say, we need all the information, let's ask the questions, and if impeachment needs to happen, let's do it. If not, let's not. 
But it seems like she kind of came out, guns firing. He's already been convicted. Let's lock him in jail. Um, a, was that a good plan? It's, it's a three-day-old story. She comes out firing. Now she, it's a, it's a ready-fire-aim approach. I think it was a political calculation. Nancy Pelosi is not uh, dumb. She's not politically uh, naive. She was losing her caucus. Uh, many of the Democrats in the Congress wanted and were ready to impeach on the Russian collusion theory or narrative and she waited because she wanted to see the information come out and the information never justified the uh, impeachment process. Uh, that frustrated a lot of members of her caucus. There were people that were beginning to really complain because let's face it, this president, there have been critics that have wanted to impeach him since the day he was elected for no other reason than he was elected. And this has been something they've always wanted. So when this story hit, without any information, without us even reading the, the transcript of the discussion, she was losing a caucus if she didn't jump in and say, okay, we'll start. And think about it. They didn't have a vote. She just simply said, we're going to start this proceeding. It, it, it was meant to placate a, a, an angry or a contentious caucus that was starting to push on her. And as the information has come out, I think that there's no there there. In fact, not only is it not an issue that you could impeach on, when you, Why when do you, you say that? Without, I if mean, you, if you read the, look, if you read the, the, the transcript of, of the discussion that Donald the Trump... Partial the partial transcript, we should say, because it's not the, a the, true well, transcript. You'll have yeah. people that say, well, it could have been a fake transcript. I mean, you, there is no end to what you can do to undermine what you're hearing. But that was definitely a transcript. When I read it, I could actually like do Donald Trump's voice when I was reading his I, words. I'm it telling was, you, so you're, you're reading this. <laughs> he, he notes that we want to be helpful. They're having a general conversation. And page four of the transcript, if you read it. Yeah. Um, and by the way, thank you for posting it. That's how I actually read it. Oh, you're welcome. Um, he says, I've heard terrible stories that you were forced to fire your top prosecutor. Uh, we want to deal with anti-corruption. And that sounds like a terrible story, the way that played out. What he was referring to is what we've seen on video, or many have. I'm surprised how many have not seen is the story shared by then, by uh, Biden, Joe Biden, uh -huh. that when he was vice president, he went to Ukraine and he told the president of Ukraine, you have six hours to fire that prosecutor who, by the way, was investigating the company for corruption that his son Hunter sat on. You have six hours to fire that prosecutor or we're taking our check, our foreign aid, and we're leaving town and you'll get none of it. And they said, and this is Biden's description, uh, you're not the president. You can't say that. He says, call him. Go ahead and call the president. I inferring that the president's well aware that this is an issue that they're going to address. That story on its face, if you're worried about uh, President Trump in that transcript referring to this issue and wanting to know more or saying this doesn't sound right, then the story he's referring, referring to is very problematic. And when I hear media go, oh, he was cleared on that. The inspector general said that the whistleblower had political bias. There's no one saying that what was happening here in that conversation he had was impeachable. Only the, his political opponents are saying this. It is an issue because it is his political rival. But the question is then should we just throw them both out? Like throw both babies just out with the bathwater? Just make it fair. I mean, all I'm saying is if, if Trump you think Biden what Trump out. said was wrong, then you can't look Vice President Biden in the face if you think that's wrong. I'm just saying I don't think inquiring about that was was wrong certainly if nobody is saying that what biden did originally was unethical or inappropriate if that's not all you have to do on this test if life's a two-way street take biden put the name president trump 
take Hunter Biden and put Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump and tell me that the story that President Biden shares is one that the Democrats would be like, oh, there's, no, there's nothing to see here. That was clear. That's fine. It's selective outrage, selective logic, and the heart of it is politically they want to impeach this president. That's it. That's all this is. It's all, it's all it's ever been. And I should note before we get to Jim that all of our congressional leaders here in Utah have come out and said something to the extent that they are deeply concerned about what they've read, but they're waiting to see what happens. I know Mitt Romney saying that he wouldn't give advice to the House Speaker. This is definitely... Mitt Romney says he's very troubled. Yes. Lapdog Chris Stewart says, what do you want, Trump? Whatever you want. He's on the Intelligence Committee. He reads more than we do. So look, well, let me point out just a couple of things here. We have in Bluffdale, you've been down there Mm -hmm. to that? We have a facility. I've driven by it. I haven't been in it. Every phone call, every text, every single email, every communication in the world by everybody passes through there. They hear all the rude things we say. Every single thing, anything that is sent electronically anywhere in the world. So let me ask you this. How would you feel about a President Hillary Clinton sitting down with a with the president of another country? Oh, I think she's ready Russia, to run again, so we might have her. And say, you know what? Give me everything you've got on opponent XYZ or all the Republican senators that are going to run against me. How would we feel about that? I'm telling you, if we've got this, the Russians have it. And who knows, probably the Ukrainians. I mean, if, they, if the North Koreans can blow up Sony electronically, I'm saying foreign intelligence agencies have phone conversations and texts and the rest. As soon as a president of the United States goes and says to a foreign leader, give me all the dirt, what position... Well, it doesn't matter. It, that, yeah, that's kind of what he said. He said, do an investigation on Biden and let me know. And not only that, I'm going to put you in touch with our attorney general, and I'm going to put you in touch with uh, my own personal lawyer who's been there a lot, and we want you to get all of that dirt ready for us. And by the way, there may well be, I've already held up your, uh, the, the money that Congress has given that you desperately need to save off the Russians. And he didn't say quid pro quo, but anybody would know what he was saying. I'm saying put yourself in the position. Once we say any American president or any American senator or any American powerful person can say to any foreign leader, give me everything you got in the opponents, holy smoke. It does raise serious questions, and I think that's why we're having this inquiry. And it's not for me to say whether it's an impeachable offense or whether it's, it's this for me how to say it is. You can definitely say <laughs> I cannot. Not. But the question is then, um, you know, you can decide for yourself whether pre- whether the president did uh, something wrong or not. If we were to rewind back those years, I don't know if it was four or five years to when Joe Biden did this, we were talking about pay for play earlier. Is that what this was and no, what he was look, doing look, to the government? Look, we could, I'm, not gonna, I'm not even going to get into what happened with Joe Biden. <laughs> it's That's a convenient. two-way street. <laughs> that is Greg's interpretation. Oh, it's a bit. It's Everybody not even, it's not in the EU went also to this corrupt president of the Ukraine at that time because this prosecutor was covering things up. So as a part of nine different presidents and prime ministers from Europe, Joe Biden went and said, fire that person. We need somebody in there who's honest. So it wasn't exactly as Greg described it. But it's not about that. It's about Joe Biden Jr., or whatever his name is, is not 
aspiring Hunter. to the White House. That we've got a guy who's in there. Do we want our president selling out the country by <laughs> saying, Jim, give me the dope? Look, I want got, all my presidents squeaky clean. Here's, here's I'm not sure things. how many of those we've had. Here's, here's the thing. When you read that transcript, there is no way there's any heavy-handed discussion happening there. He is concerned about that issue. He says, it sounds terrible to me. He says, now, let me tell you something. It. You've got three senators. Democrat senators who wrote a letter, a strongly worded letter to the Ukraine president saying, we are going to withhold funds if you do not address in a more serious way the corruption in your country. They are not mincing words, and that is not upsetting anyone. You do have a president and a candidate that went to foreign intelligence. It's called the dossier. It's called going to the, to the, the, the British intelligence, to international intelligence, getting FISA warrants. All being done to monitor and to surveil a candidate and a campaign. Get back to the issue. I'm telling you. No, this is the issue. That president is on that the phone. That was celebrated the, as, so let's oh, suppose, look, let's we suppose, have intelligence let's information about that. Let's suppose all, all, right, all that is it's wrong all and bad. It was happening. How do you just, okay, Biden said some bad things and whatever. Here we have right there the president, the very president of the United States, saying, give me dirt on my political opponent. No. So should Ben McAdams right now, our lone Democratic congressional leader, be asking for this impeachment inquiry, supporting it, and moving forward with it? I'm okay with whatever Ben decides. As for me and my house, get, we shall impeach we shall I will tell you impeachment. This. When you are the president of the United States, you don't work for the intelligence community. The intelligence community works for you. It will be Even a sad day in this country if the corruption or the concern that you have about what's going on happens to be a political potential opponent, that that somehow gives them a free pass and you can't say their name out loud. Meaning, if you're telling me you heard something that was disturbing and it happened to be someone that was seeking the presidency, so now you can't ask the question, you can't inquire, you can't get to the bottom of what sounds like a billion dollars of money withheld unless the prosecutor looking into this man's son is fired on the spot or in the next six hours. If that is concerning, but a potential candidate or opponent, you can't inquire, that is not a world we want to live in. You're talking about I'm Biden you. again. Let's talk about no, the I'm president. You the don't, president you want... wasn't interested in corruption. What the president Absolutely. said is, go get information on Biden. He didn't say, no, I'm very he, interested in corruption in your country. He, described he said, do me a favor and go find would out that not if have Biden been, was corrupt. Would that not have been corruption in our own country if our vice president at the time was doing that? I don't that? know. I, look. I give me give me a document. Give me a document put out by the White House. There's no dispute. The president says that was the transcription. He didn't say find anything on this guy so I, that I want to go after. He's saying this situation sounds terrible to me. Find out about into, the Biden thing. But the situation shouldn't be ignored because find out about he the wants Biden to run thing, for president. He, said. he was involved in it. All right, boys, here's a question for you. Is the impeachment going to go through? <laughs> the inquiry going to happen? Will Donald Trump be impeached in your mind? Um, uh, he'll definitely be impeached, which means the House will take action. Correct. The question is how many more Mitt Romney's people of integrity are going to look at the facts and, and, and not look at all the political blah, blah, blah. And well, that remains to be seen. If, if the Senate doesn't concur with the House, then the people will get a chance in a year to make the final decision. That's true. And I guess it would be the first time you ever had, um, if it were to happen, an impeached candidate because Bill Clinton was on his second term when that happened and couldn't run again. And we should clear this up. Just If you're listening, I'm guessing you're political and you understand this, but we had people calling in complaining after I said that Bill Clinton was impeached a couple of days ago. He was impeached. As you explained, the House impeaches, 
and then it actually takes the jury trial in the Senate to kick you out of office. So we'll have to wait and see how this happens. How do you see this playing out? Will the president be impeached? Will the inquiry go uh, when, forward? When, when the midterms occurred and the Democrats took control of the, of the House, many said that's the impeachment count right there because they've been wanting to impeach him since the day he got there. It's, it's re very revealing that a story that is not even a week old is the one they've gone all in on because they know the longer they wait that the information will not buttress a, a straight-faced inquiry. So they're going to do this. They're going to push it for their political purposes. That is why two-thirds of the Senate, when this hearing on, on the articles of impeachment are brought to them, it will never pass even a laugh test. It simply will not. If the president's impeached, will Republicans choose another candidate and have him step aside? Or will we go with Donald Trump? If it I were think to happen, the people, this is all... Donald Trump, with, with oh. federal caps put in place, has raised $13 million on the outrage of the American people that he's even being put through this, this process it, because it's so blatantly political without merit. He's raised a lot of money from a lot of people because people know he's being attacked and that this was the attack from day one. This, I think... This has been a good fundraiser. I, I do not think... I think the Democrats in the Congress will lose seats over this because of how they are playing politics with the Constitution and how this process is supposed to work. And I don't think this is a good day for the House or for Speaker Pelosi. And I think she was left with no choice. She was losing her, her caucus. They wanted to impeach on anything. And she had to throw... You know, red meat to the to the wolves that were out there. So it's it's not a good day for Democrats. It's I'll scary. tell you that. All people have to do get the documents, read them for yourself. I have read them on them. my Facebook I have, page. I read, read them. them. I think you and should. You will see the kind of morals of this man are not the values that Utah purports to accept. And I I give Mitt Romney all the credit in the world. He's usually wrong on most everything. But he's had the, the courage to stand up and say, you know what, this ain't right. Is it courage or is it the possibility that if an impeachment were to happen that maybe he could step in and save the day and well, finally run cynical. for president again? I mean, you're talking I'm just if, wondering. I think if the Constitution if is hanging by a thread that Mitt would come in and save it? Is that what you're no, saying? No, that's what I'm or saying. Or that there's people all lying who say that maybe he's in the Senate because he was hoping, you know, maybe... I'm not saying That's this is so my cynical. belief. That's so cynical. That is cynical. I mean, cynical. you know, you never, you never <laughs> you know. You just wouldn't believe that, right? No, but you brought up a great question. But Greg, what's maybe the, you know the, the answer. You know Mike Lee, but you're a constitutionalist. So if he gets impeached and the Republicans pick him as the candidate again, could he, could he run again? You can run again, but yeah. you'd have to And be then could he be impeached again? I, I, it, it, as much of this circus the Democrats want to make our Constitution, we'll just have to see how far that they're willing to go. I'm telling you right now, on the merit, there is no way, if people are fully informed right. about the circumstances here, that this that this rises to the level that it's being right. pursued. Can I can I say something? All right, All right. let's hear Look, it. This is good. Russians. Oh geez. Oh, you're talking to Vladimir right Russian now. Russian people, because this joke has been done before and Russian always taken people, seriously. I'm thinking about running against Senator Mike Lee. You're thinking about it? This is a this is a, a joke, so I should wait for the punchline. Okay. I'm thinking about running for against Senator Mike Lee. I know you have access to everything involving him. Every email, all of his staff, papers, everything that's done. Will you send them to me? I'll be a good friend of Russia, if you know what I mean. That's where the president has put us. No. And why not? That's exactly what it is. Uh, we cannot be bidding if and challenging foreign countries if to give us information. If something's leaked about a Republican, 
It's what is leaked that is discussed. If something's leaked on a Democrat, it's who leaked it that no, is discussed. No, I'm it saying is a, anybody a completely that does that. different world. <laughs> if if you leak something, you know, was it a Russian that put uh, that put Trump's tax returns on the front steps of the New York Times? Should we look at who did that, or were the were the the leaked tax returns important? If it's a Republican, it's what is leaked. If it's a Democrat, it's who leaked it. And so it's forget what information was provided. Who tried to provide it? If it's a Republican, it's we don't really care where it came from. Look at what was provided. It is not just, again, this goes back to just let's let life be a two-way street. Let's pick a path on how we want to treat people of both parties. The selective outrage, selective logic, it's what's killing this country, and it's making Americans sick of politics, I think, in record proportion. Or maybe it's Trump. Or maybe it's Trump. <laughs> it's all exhausting. And you said leaks so many times that, do you know what's in my head right now? You those, need a bathroom break? No. <laughs> okay, sorry. Those bladder well, leakage commercials where they that. say they'll send you adult diapers in the mail. And that, there goes this segment yeah. for television. So anyhow, television. that's, that's what we're going to be brought to you by. I, I saw one that turns Depends. liquid into Depends. gel so it doesn't leak. Oh, this Well, is, that's what diapers are. They're little gelatinous the shark, gels folks. that like, basically like, We're the producers. Fade to black. We're <laughs> out know, of here. I know, seriously. Oh, oh my no. gosh. Wow, we definitely have jumped the it's shark. It's a Friday. Sure. Yes. It is a Friday. The impeachment inquiry won't stop here, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it in the weeks to come. So thanks so much for being part of our day here. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe, and have a great weekend. Subscribe. Yes, do it. <laughs>